We'll continue our study. We're going verse by verse through 1 John. We're at chapter 4. And Owen uh, gave us, uh, he, uh, he gave us the first half of this section of scriptures on testing the spirits. And so I'm going to go ahead and read all six verses. I'm not going to go through all of them. Our t- text today that were assigned to me were verses 4 through 6, so that's what we'll focus on. And then we'll go from there. It says, Behold, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that, is in, that, it, is, that it is coming and now is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world hears them. We are from God. The one who knows God hears us. Uh, The one who is not from God does not hear us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay? All right. So, before we begin, Owen uh, brought us uh, into the text. And we're talking about testing the spirits. He tells us in verse 1 not to believe every spirit, right? These are those who are teaching, right, the spirit that is in them. So either you have a spirit of God, which is the Holy Spirit, or you have a spirit that is not of God. Um, But it tells us to test, to have discernment, right, to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. So we know that there are false teachers, and they are there to deceive us. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. That was kind of one of what Owen kind of wrapped up with. Do we confess that Jesus has come in the flesh? Is he God incarnate, right? And that's one of the ways we could tell. Gnosticism is kind of the subject at hand in the Gospel of John. and Not the Gospel of John, but the Epistle of John, the first Epistle of John. And... Um, Gnosticism is pretty much, uh, you know, this knowledge that we have that that they can have that it, it's it's immaterial, right? Um, it's almost like a um, um, something has has been given that is from above. Uh, as I'm kind of having a hard time explaining this, but uh, anyways, it's it's not. Uh, I'm looking at it from a Greek perspective, but anyways, let me back up a little bit. But uh, anyways, the, the, it's, it's about Gnosticism. I'll, get, I'll, I'll tell you why I was trying to explain that here in a minute. But it's about Gnosticism, right? And today's day of, of um, in our world, Gnosticism, I believe, is um, um, still alive and well. It comes in different forms, right? One of the ways of, or uh, one of the things that is Gnostic, um, I would say, is this woke movement that's going on out there, Right? It's almost like uh, those who are woke have gotten this new revelation that has never existed before. That's kind of what I was trying to get at with the Gnosticism. And so now they have this new revelation that come from, maybe they think God, they feel that um, they have gained some knowledge outside of the Scripture, right? And so that is one form of Gnosticism in our world today. So again... Gnosticism is what we're battling with in 1 John, and 1 John addresses it back then, knowing that today we would continue to battle this, but it's um, 
uh, just in a different form. Okay. All right. So, and then we get to we get to uh, um, verse three. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming and now is already in the world. Okay. The um, the spirit, this Antichrist, is already here. Okay. So now we get to verse four. And we'll start here. He says, You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Okay, so there's one who is already in the world, and there's one that is in us. But today I want to slow down just a little bit because we have a a young Christian, we have a young church. Okay, we have a lot of young Christian believers. So I want to slow down just a little bit and talk about who this other, who this one is who is in the world and who is already in the world, okay? And that is Satan himself, okay? So today we're going to kind of take a slow down and take a kind of a topical study um, with, this, with, uh, with this topic, right? With the topic of Satan and who he is. And then we'll, we'll wrap up the last two verses. But I want to slow down. And I, I think there's a lot of mis- uh, um, information out there about him. I think there's a lot of emotionalism that's involved with Satan and who he is and what he does. But I want to just give you a perspective of how God, through his word, presents him to us and then see, you can make your own evaluations. And then now, if you're having any experiences, you're having any things that you're dealing with, now you have the truth to evaluate those things to see if they're truly of God or of Satan or it's just yourself creating these things in your own mind. Right. <clears throat> um, okay, so let's go ahead and get started here. So, who is the one already in the world? Right. We I asked that question already. Uh, verse four affirms that there is one in the world. Okay. Then once again, who is in the world? We said it was Satan. Okay. Now, <clears throat> today we are going to uh, go into this just a little bit deeper than normal. Okay. Uh, we need to understand who he is. Uh, there are many out there who don't understand his character, okay? Now, I'm not doing this to exalt him, right? I'm doing it because he is scriptural. God created him, and just like all the other angels and just like us, he is a creature. So I'm not doing this to exalt him, but I'm doing this as an education, as a warning to, uh, to the church so we can know how to deal with him in the future. All right. So let me pray before we begin I've been nervous all morning for some reason. <laughs> all right, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for today, Lord. Um, I just thank you that you've allowed me to come and teach today, Lord. And I'm kind of a little bit out of the norm today. And uh, I pray that you take this jitterness out of me, Lord, and help uh, me to uh, to just proclaim your word and teach it, Lord, in, the, in a way that everybody can understand it. And uh, I just pray that you keep my mind focused on here and I'll let it wander off. And we just thank you, Lord, for your truth. We thank you for the Holy Spirit who guides us and teaches us, Lord. And I pray today, Lord, right now, that, um, that you allow um, uh, him to just take over and uh, um, teach us, Lord, today. We pray in your name. Amen. All right. Okay. So let's slow down, like I said, what we're going to do. All right. So a lot of people go around blaming him for every temptation they fall into. Have you ever heard of that? The devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. And um, I'm not saying that statement can't be true, right? Um, But a lot of people, they will blame Satan for the things that they fall into. 
Okay, they go around blaming him for every temptation they fall into. They blame the temptation of the flesh and or sometimes the weakness of their own theology. They blame it on Satan, okay, when actually he never did anything to them. It was all them who did it to themselves. Okay, they're not taking responsibility for their own actions, so they blame someone else. They blame Satan or his demons. They made me do it, okay, for falling into sin. And so that is un- unacceptable. So there's, remember, we battle with the flesh every day. You will fall into temptation. Satan isn't, or his demons aren't behind every bush out there. So it's important that you understand that, that there's the system, which is Satan, and then there's the flesh, which is uh, the world, you, right? You were all, we were all stained with sin, and uh, we are not uh, in that perfect realm like we were before Adam and Eve um, were in the garden. So, the Hebrew word for Satan is the adversary, or one who opposes. In Genesis 3, he is disguised as a serpent. In 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 21 and 22, and 2 Chronicles 18, they refer to him as a lying spirit. In Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, Satan is accredited as the power behind the kings of Babylon and Tyre. In the New Testament, the terms... Uh, Satan or devil refer to the evil one, okay, on about 74 occasions. And then Satan, you know, is a lying and murderous adversary is pretty much what they're saying here. That's it. You know, if you wrap it all up, that's what he is. He's a lying and murderous adversary, okay? Uh, Satan has three characteristics associated with his per, uh, personhood, okay? He is actually an intellectual being, okay? And Matthew, uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 11 he tempted Christ with his intellect. Uh, he schemes against the Christians. So we'll just take a look real quick at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And we'll go through 11. He said, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Then verse 7, Jesus says to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. So we see Satan is not just, he's not dumb. He's intellectual, okay? And so... Now, we are not to fear him, but, you know, he is a creature of God that has been given this power, okay? And he schemes against the believers, which we'll talk about later on. All right. Another thing about Satan is that he's an emotional being, okay? He exhibits pride and anger. If you look at Revelations 12, 12, it says, For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. It says, Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath. Why? knowing that he has only a short time. He already knows his, he's going to be ended. 
But he's angry because he has just so much time. He feels like he needs more time. But he will never conquer the Lord, right? So again, he has great wrath. So he has this emotional side of him. Um, another thing that he has is that he is a being. And we're using the word being, okay, because he's a creature, okay? So he is a being who has a will, and he exercises it against the believers. If we, could, if we look at Luke 22, this is Jesus Christ. He says in verse 31, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat, okay? So his desire is to snatch you up. He has a will, right? He's, he has a goal, and he's trying to fulfill it. So we see those three things about Satan. He has a will, he's emotional, and he is intellectual, okay? All right, but like I mentioned, Satan is a created angel. If we look at Colossians 1.16, it teaches us that God created all things, including angels. Originally, Satan was created as a chief angel at the same level of Michael the archangel. We see that in Jude 9. Satan now leads a rebellious group of evil angels, fallen angels that followed him. And then also Satan himself masquerades himself as an angel of light. You see that in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14. It says, and no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Another thing about Satan is that he is a spirit being that can appear at times like a physical person. Now, this was interesting to me as I studied this. And so I went, we went back and we looked, or I looked, and, and, and this is what I found. So just like the holy angels in Mark 16, okay, I remember when Christ resurrected and there were some angels there telling the apostles that Christ is no longer here, you know, uh, that he has risen, that says in Mark 16, it says, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side wearing a white robe, and they were amazed, and said to, him, and said to them, Do not be amazed, you are looking for Jesus the Nazarene. Who has been crucified? He has risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. It says, But go tell his disciples and Peter, uh, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Then we go to the Old Testament in 1 Kings 22 21. It says, Then a spirit came forward and stood before Yahweh and said, I will entice him. And Yahweh said to him, How? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And he said, you shall entice him and also prevail. Go out and do so. So we see that. We see that the, for some reason, God has allowed them to take form as a, a human, right? doesn't mean they're possessing, but they, are, they look like a human, okay? And so uh, uh, just, again, to make sure I want to clarify that. All right. Another thing Satan has is that he has an extraordinary way of traveling, if we look at Job chapters 1 and 2, it tells us that Satan goes to and fro on earth, okay? Which means he is not omnipresent. What does that mean to be omnipresent? It means he cannot be in all places at all times, okay? So he has to go place to place. Who is omnipresent? God, and only God. That's right, and we'll get to God's attributes here in a second. Okay, so that's important to understand about him, Okay? So, which means he cannot be in all places at all time. This is why me personally, I struggle when I hear people blaming the devil for everything. Okay, he made me do it. He made me do it. I'm like, you really think? There's, there's millions of people saying the same thing. He's not that fast. He can't be everywhere at the same time. He's not omnipresent. And if he's a liar, he's not making you do things. What he's doing, he's building systems that are lies that you will fall into. Okay, 
He has, he's not doing anything. You're not, we're not doing anything special uh, that we are causing Satan or even his demons to come um, uh, bother us or mess with us, right? There are bigger things that they are dealing with than just me and my temptation. So anyways, that was a, a rant there. But this is, uh, again, while I struggle with that, people blame the devil for everything. They are saying that he has an attribute that only God possesses. Only God is omnipresent. They are in essence saying that he can be everywhere at all times. Okay, but again, uh, you we're, we're not doing anything special. Um, what the issue is, is that we are just falling into the temptation of the flesh. Okay, and that's it. And we're not taking responsibility. All right. The other thing is that he can also function in heaven and on earth. If you look at 1 Kings 22, I won't go there, but as a reference, you can look at 1 Kings 22, at Job 1 and 2. I'll read Revelations 12.10. says, 12.10 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down and he accuses them before God day and night. So we see that he can go up and down, right? There's this there. And so anyways, God has allowed him to do that. Okay, God at the end, though, will hold Satan responsible for his evil deeds. We'll see this in Matthew 25, 41. But I'll read to you Revelations 20:10. Revelations 20:10 says, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophets are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So again, remember, this is so important. Satan and Christ are not equals, okay? Um, They are not peers, okay? They are not equals. Satan is a created being by Christ that Christ is using to fulfill his work, okay? So I think people fear Satan more than they do Christ. When we talk about these things, we have more fear about uh, about, the... the things that Satan can do, but don't have fear about what Christ can do, okay? And so we need to have a reality check. We need to fear our salvation, our soul. That's the most important thing. All this is replaceable. This physical is going to be replaced one day, okay? But your soul, when you die, if you wake up in hell, it, cannot, it will not be moved. It is what it is, and that's it. There's no going back, okay? So again... Um, here's a few contrasts that we see between Satan and Christ. It's not an exhaustive list, but it is there. So, Satan is temporal. Christ is eternal. Satan is darkness. Christ is light. Satan is a liar, and Christ is truth. Satan is counterfeit, and Christ is authentic. Satan is evil, and Christ is righteous. Satan enslaves, and Christ liberates. Satan is sinful and God is holy. Satan hates and God loves. Satan is a murderer and Christ is a savior. And like I mentioned earlier, only Christ, only God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere at the same time. He's omniscient, okay, which is all-knowing. He knows everything. Okay, Satan can't read our minds or the hearts. He knows how to tempt the hearts because he's been around for so long. And God, and only God is omnipotent. He's only all-powerful, okay? Satan has none of these attributes of God, okay? Other attributes of God, and I think uh, Owen mentioned this one, is that he is immutable, okay? He doesn't change. Another one, God is sovereign, okay? He knows all things and he's involved in all things. God is eternal, 
immortal. He is great and self-existent. There is no other being or God out there that have these attributes. In fact, the Bible says that all other gods, little g's, are false gods. I think uh, if you look at the Jehovah's Witnesses literature, which is kind of ironic, but they use uh, John 17, 3, that there is only one true God, and they put that on their deal, but yet they believe that Jesus Christ is a little God, okay, and not God in the flesh. So anyways, again, there is only one true God, okay? Satan possesses none of these attributes, and only God does. Very important. Uh, Now, Satan possesses the highest power of created beings, or at least maybe equal to Michael the archangel, but that's because God gave him that power, and his power does not exceed or even equal or compared to what God's power is. I mean, God spoke everything into creation. Do we see Satan doing that today? No. And that's just something that we can interact with. Satan is just tricking us, okay? Evolution, those types of things. Um, if we can discredit the word, then um, um, uh, he, we know he'll get, he'll get his way. When I'm, I'm kind of getting um, ahead of myself, but we'll talk about that in a minute. All right, so Satan is the ultimate master of disguise. If we look at 2 Corinthians 11, we see that. Okay, he makes the bad appear good. He decorates sinful behavior to look righteous. Um, you know, we see that, that in, our, in today's world with the abortion stuff, with the uh, LGBTQ stuff. I mean, I looked at one the other day, and there was already 20 acronyms, or 20, uh, I don't even know what they call them anymore, uh, just numbers and letters and all these things. And I said, man, what do you, how do you even say that? <laughs> is that Greek or Hebrew or what is that? <laughs> Such as all the, you know, so again, we see abortion. We see the destruction of marriage between one man and one woman. We are confused about if we're male and female. Uh, we're not, so again, um, Men are not stepping up and taking their place in the home, <clears throat> but rather they're being passive and letting the wife do it all. We see women competing uh, with the responsibilities that God has given uh, to the men. Um, we're constantly told that right is wrong and, uh, and wrong is right. And uh, we live in a very, very confused world. Within the last couple of years, it has escalated aggressively. And we are, Satan is at work. And I feel, truly believe that God has, as Roman says, I think he is pulling his hand off of our country. And that's just my personal belief because you see what's going on. You compare it to Romans chapter 1 and you will see that. Um, Satan's worldly system is going for the conscience of our young ones. Okay, And, uh, and again, is he's redefining truth. My kids go to public school and I constantly have to keep up on the things they're teaching them or the key words that they say, and then go back and, 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 and make sure that I give them a good defense or show them a good biblical defense on why that statement or that philosophy is not true. And, um, or they'll come and they'll have discernment themselves. Hey, I heard them say this. What do you think about that? So again, um, public school is not for everybody, but um, it, is, it is there, and that's currently what we decide we, we want to do with our kids. Um, so again, the counterfeit looks authentic. Okay, He is so good that what he puts out there looks like it's authentic. Okay? All right. So people are worshiping the creature rather than the creator. Um, hopefully I'm not stepping on any toes here, but I watch how people elevate their animals over their own family members or demand the respect of their pets as if they too were image bearers. Okay? They demand respect because they don't realize this, but they are looking at their animals as if they are image bearers. 
They're holding them to that standard, okay? We are confused, like I said earlier. And this is all the work of Satan. Preachers during the Reformation period called Satan God's ape, uh, who mimicked God by disguising the false to appear genuine, thus luring sinners to himself and away from God. I think this, that quote or that saying might have came from Thomas Watson, but I couldn't figure out exactly where it came. But he's a very good um, uh, gentleman, Puritan, if you want to go back and, and look up some of his stuff, Thomas Watson. But anyways, so that's what we have about Satan so far. Now, Satan functions in three different ways. He has snares and traps, okay, like what a hunter would use to capture and then kill the animal. And, we, and I'll give you references so you can go back and listen to this. 1 Timothy 3.7, 2 Timothy 2.26. The other function is he has, again, his strategies, his, his, um, uh, his, his, his planning, right? Like the battle plan of a skilled military commander. Um, the other one is schemes or specific tactics, like soldiers uh, would execute in a battlefield. That's, that's what he does, Okay. So if you're, if you're, that's why I'm saying he, he's not coming to you. He's not knocking on your door. He's not hiding under the bed. He is busy with something that is trying to deceive, deceive the world and not us as an individual. Okay, by lying and being deceitful, the devil attempts to bring the world around to his perverted thinking and away from the purity of God's truth. Okay, he appears as a friend outwardly, but inside he's our enemy. Uh, his little white lies are, are damning to the soul. His servants are also spreaders of lies. Okay? Like father, like son. Right? Like master, like slave. I, actually, I just made that up, but anyways. <laughs> now, what is Satan's target? What is he going after? Why is he doing all this work? Right? That's the key. Why is Satan doing all this? What is he going after? Here, let's, let's look. It's very important. If you can, well... I'll say it, but I would go back and underline it. The 2 Corinthians 11.3. Very important. If you want to know what Satan's coming after, then this is it right here. Okay? Paul gives us a clear answer in 2 Corinthians 11.3. Good. I hear the shuffling of God's Word. <clears throat> Sorry. 2 Corinthians 11.3. He says, But I fear that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Satan is coming after our minds. Okay? The human mind is Satan's number one target. The thought life is where the spiritual battle can be lost or won. Okay? It doesn't matter what we do outwardly. But it's our theology. It's our worldview. Okay, our biblical worldview is so important. And that's why I said earlier, it's important for you to train your kids at home. I can only do so much. Owen can only do so much. Barry can only do so much. And your Sunday school teachers can only do so much. But the world is ready. They're ready to give it to them. Okay, they're ready to train them in the ways of the world. Now, so we are told to have strong minds. If we look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and he said to them, You shall lo love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's right. 
Romans 12, 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be, uh, <laughs> but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We're not supposed to clear our mind. Right? Yoga goers, pay attention. <laughs> so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. 2 Corinthians 4, 4, In whose case the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. What did he do? He blinded their minds so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Let me tell you something. Something that I, uh, I've been listening to. I've been going through YouTube and just checking some things out. I was listening to Ken Ham the other day and he brought something to my attention I never really paid attention to. But he's talking about how we give the gospel today. He says that the way we give the gospel today is no longer useful. And I was like, okay, well, i got to hear this, right? I know Ken Hans is kind of my creation boy, right? So I'm like, well, let me see, all right. So he has my respect, so I begin to listen to him. And what he was saying was that our children are no longer churched. This generation right now is the first generation where we've removed the Bibles out of schools, we move prayer out of school. This current generation right now has no idea what the Bible says. When you, so when you go up to them and say, hey, you're a sinner, they have no idea what you're talking about. What do you mean I'm a sinner? Yeah, this guy says I'm a sinner, so I need to be saved. What does that mean? But what Ken Ham is saying is that we have to go back like we did to the Greeks in the book of Acts. So we have to take them back to Genesis and say, let me tell you why you're a sinner. Because there was Adam and Eve, and here's what they did. And because of that, we are all now sinners. And you, he represents you, right? We're not adding that. We're, 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 we've been preaching, we've been giving the gospel to a group of people who understand the Genesis. Because in the schools, we were talking about it. We are talking about it in Sunday school. And so now we have an unchurched group, an un, um, a, a, a group that has a worldview that is not coming and being filtered through the Bible. So he says, when we give the gospel today, we're now giving the gospel to Greeks and no longer Jews. The Jews understood Genesis, so they just went strictly with repent and be baptized. But now we're preaching to the Greeks. They have other gods. They have false gods. And so now we need to take them back to Genesis and now the gospel message went from this long to this long. It's always been this long, but the Jews, we didn't have to talk about that because they knew about that. So it was something interesting, and that's where we are today. And um, I agreed with them afterwards. I said, you know what? That's absolutely correct, that we need to approach the people today with the gospel, the full gospel, right, uh, from the beginning of Genesis to the cross. So anyways, um, so... <clears throat> So we are to have strong minds. Um, so again, the minds of the unbelieving so that they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. We go to 1 Peter 1.13. It says, Therefore, having girded your minds for action, being sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you and the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about the mind. It's so important. The battle for the mind. The battle for the conscience. Don't shear the conscience, okay? That's what Satan is doing. He's shearing the conscience. He's teaching us that we are all animals, that we are beasts. We treat women like they're animals. We treat men like they're animals, right? That's what the world is teaching us. 
and teaching our children. We need to be ready. Now, what you believe on the inside will determine who you are and how you live on the outside. You've heard me say that before. Um, our theology will determine how we live our lives. That's why it's important for you to, to train your children. What they know about God will determine how they live. Right? If you don't believe the truth, you won't obey it. If this is not authoritative, you won't obey it. It's just a suggestion to you. It's uh, passive. You have a gospel that I can do what I want, and eh, God will forgive me, right? That's a false gospel. That is not the gospel of the Bible. We've been talking in First John how our works, this love represents or shows that we are true believers by our actions. Okay, Actions prove who we are, not where we are going. Um, all right. So let's move on here. <clears throat> Satan's number one goal is to cause us to think contrary to God's word, which will eventually misguide us or, go, or to go against God's will. Okay? This applies to the believer. Okay? The, the Satan is in the local church. Okay? He is there. I was watching the American Gospel last night, um, and we were, were having these conversations, and he is there. Okay? He is in the church. Uh, he is in our current prosperity gospel. He is in uh, our non-Trinitarian churches. They all sound good. They all look good. It's because they feel good, but feelings are deceitful. Okay? Again, so this is why I bring up Satan today. I wanted to slow down and talk about him. Okay? So if we understand the enemy and his tactics, we can be prepared. Okay? And not only just prepared for us, but prepare our children Prepare those in Sunday school. If you are called one day to be a teacher of a class or a group of people, your job is to help to put the mind of Christ into them. Okay? So, if our minds are Satan's target, we need to protect it. Now, he shoots us with four different types of ammo. Okay? First, Satan will attempt to distort or deny the truth of God's word. If we look at Matthew 13, verse 3, and he spoke many things to them in parables. This is Jesus saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. <clears throat> Verse 4, he says, And as he sowed, some seeds fell aside beside the road, and the birds came and ate them. Okay. But what does that mean? Well, Christ himself explains this in verse 18. He says, Hear then the parable of the sower. This is Christ explaining it. He says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. There are so many young Christians that when they get saved or when they're looking for the Lord, they see this church. Oh, there's tons of people there. So what do they do? They go that way. But they're giving all this misinformation and Satan comes in and destroys it, destroys them. And they don't grow. They think they're doing right. They're confused. But... That, that's why you've heard me before. If, if you lead somebody to Christ, don't just walk away. You better be ready to disciple them. Bring them under your wing. Begin to teach them the ways of the Lord or find them a good church. You know, if you're witnessing somebody on an airplane and you're going two different directions, where are you going? Let's go look. Here's a church I recommend you go try. And go try these three churches. Help them have discernment. Teach them where to go. But again, they need to be discipled. That's part of that program. That's why we do what we do. Um, then, <clears throat> so Satan wants us not to understand the Word of God. The second uh, thing that he uses is Satan will try to ruin our testimonies. Okay, 
we saw what happened with Ananias and Sapphira. Remember, they got caught in temptation. He took them out. The, the Holy Spirit did. He took out Ananias and Sapphira. Okay, they fell into deception. Okay, and also in First uh, Timothy three seven, as a church leader, and this is myself. This is Owen. This is Barry. It says, and we must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. This is speaking again of the elders of the church. Thirdly, by depressing or destroying the believer's enthusiasm for God's work. If we look at Luke 16, 31, I mentioned this earlier, but Christ says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to sift all of you like wheat. But Christ says, but I have prayed earnestly for you that your faith may not fail. And you, once you have returned, strengthen your brothers. So I pray that you don't fail. Now you come back and you build up your brothers. Okay? And then fourth, Satan will try to impact the effectiveness of God's people. Once again, 1 Timothy 3, 6. It says, and not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. So there's warnings about setting a young believer in a position because there's a possibility they may uh, get um, you know, impacted or affected in some way where maybe they get pride or who knows, right? But there's a warning against that. So if we allow the Word of God to richly indwell in us, uh, we will have victory over all His tactics. Our goal is to have the mind of Christ. And how do we get the mind of Christ? Absolutely reading, studying, and then applying it, right? I know what you meant, right? <laughs> yes, applying it, okay? We apply it. So now, our goal is to have the mind of Christ. So with all this said, how do we defend ourselves, okay? Owen mentioned the armor of God last week, Okay? And so we need to study God's Word so that we can have confidence in it and know it. Go back and study Ephesians again. We look at James 4, 7, and 8, or 7 through 8. tells us to draw near to God and He will draw near to you and that we are to resist the devil and he will flee from you. The more you know about God's Word, the more you study God's Word, the, the further the distance Satan will be from you. Okay? Remember, John, this was a very interesting note here. Remember, John was with Jesus when Satan and the demons were at their peak. John, the guy who wrote this book, he was right there, John the Apostle, with Christ when all these things were going on. And still, years later, at the end of his life, and still to this moment as an older man, he has confidence that God is greater. Okay? Very impressive. So now, let's go back to our text. <laughs> We have another hour left, so I'm just kidding. We're almost going to wrap this up. <laughs> All right, so verse 4. Let's go back and uh, I'll read, read verse 4. So now with that said, you are from God. That was just the introduction. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. You see how important this is? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Now, we did not see that... Uh, Okay, now one thing we didn't see about Satan in, this, in these texts is that we did not see that we're supposed to be looking for Satan under rocks, in our closets, right? People will say that, right? I remember when I was a young Christian, I was involved in the charismatic movement. We were having Bible study at our house, and this lady gets up right in the middle of our prayer, takes off to my little girl's room, opens the door, and starts screaming and yelling, and she was telling me that there was a little demon inside my daughter's closet that looked like a gremlin. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever, right? Did you get it out? Yeah, okay, let's go then. <laughs> 
and it's very so that always stuck in my head, right? And uh, that's not what we're supposed to be doing as Christians today. Um, and so we're not looking for the boogeyman under the bed. Satan wants your mind. He don't care about your physical. If Satan pops up, he, he doesn't want to scare you to God. If I saw something like that, I'd probably be running, man, reading my Bible, I'm looking things up. I'm like, hey, Lord, what was that? Right? Um, so again, he wants our minds. He doesn't want to scare you closer to God. Believers also cannot be possessed by demons. Very important. If you are a true believer in Christ, you cannot be possessed by demons because the Holy Spirit lives in you and he is greater than him who lives in the world. That is unacceptable. There's no way. You cannot have two masters. Okay. Uh, we as believers are the holy temple of God. Therefore, you cannot have Satan or a demon occupy us and have the Holy Spirit at the same time. If you believe you have a demon, okay, that it is a sign that you may not be saved, especially if you claim to be a Christian. Okay, you need to hear the gospel. I'm not going to go around uh, uh, casting demons out because there's two fathers, and Owen has brought this up already. If you're from Satan or you're from Christ, okay? If, 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 you, if I go, and let's say we could do this, say I do take out a demon from this person, they don't get saved, guess what? That demon come right back. And guess what? Why would he even... He, why would he even leave that person? So what I'm getting at is that if, that if if that person is not saved, and let's say we could cast out demons, then that demon could come right back. But those things were done to um, to show the power of God. Okay, it wasn't done for them to get saved. And I guess what I'm getting at is this: if this was true then I think what's happening today in the churches where we believe that we are doing these things, it's what's happening with Simon the sorcerer in the book of Acts where he's going out casting demons and like, hey, we know Paul, we know Jesus, but who are you? I believe, this is my personal conviction, that in our current church today where we see these things happening, that is, it's Satan on Satan's side pretending like these things are being ex- uh, um, uh, cast out when it's actually Satan doing it himself. I believe it's one of his lies, okay? Because the only way that you can get a demon or, or Satan himself, if you want to call it that, out of you, is that the temple has to change. You have to become the temple of God now. There's only two masters. You serve Satan or you serve Christ, okay? And so the only way that that can happen is if you hear the gospel and you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and when that happens... The house is cleaned and the Holy Spirit kicks everything out and then now he comes and lives in you. The way to, to keep demons out of somebody is to preach the gospel to them. The gospel is the power of salvation. Okay? And that's it. We make it too hard. We're being tricked and we're being um, drawn to, to these things of this mysticism. Again, that's my personal belief. Some of you may be different, have a different opinion. But as we always say, test it. Go out and test what I'm having to say or what I say here. All right. So, therefore, you cannot have Satan or demon occupy both, right? Um, if you do believe that you maybe have some issue, then you need to evaluate yourself. Remember, Satan may not be afraid of us, but he is afraid of God's word, God's son, and God's Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit is greater than Satan. Verse 5, they are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world hears them. So back in chapter 2, 19, verse 2, verse 19, we, we learned that they left us because they were not of us, right? These are the people, they are 
These people are from the world. That's why they left us. They were never truly saved. They left because they never were of us. Okay? There is a clear distinction between those in Christ and those in the world. If we look at John chapter 8, verse 23, Jesus says, And he was saying to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Okay? Then verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 19, it says, If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world because of this, the world hates you. Okay? Does the world hate you or disconnect you, disconnect with you because you are not like them? Or do you compromise and you have one foot in and one foot out? Okay, so John is essentially telling us the same thing Jesus is saying. On the other hand, we as uh, Christ's children know our Father's voice. Okay, John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I remember when my kids were this big running around, they'd go to the gym at the church, and I'd walk to the gym after service, and uh, see all the fathers there, and I'd hear this gentleman yell out for his kids. He had a certain you know, sound that he would make. And these kids were running around the gym, and all of a sudden, those three kids were like, Ooh, oh, that's dad right there. Okay, and all the other kids kept running. And then I would go and I would uh, whistle a certain way. And then, boom, my kids would stop. Oh, that's dad. And all the other kids, right? They know the voice and the sound of their father, right? It's the same idea. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, right? So these false teachers are obviously of the world because they speak the things of the world and the word, the world understands them, okay? We, the, the world understands them. Now, verse 6. We're going to end it here. It says, we are from God. Now, the word we here, there's a debate here whether he's talking about all Christians or he's talking about just the apostles themselves. I believe it's just the apostles because the idea here is we're talking about two different types of teachers. We're talking about the, the worldly teachers and we're talking about now the biblical, the Bible teachers, right? So if you look at it from, this is he's talking about specifically the we is about the apostles. We are from God. The one who knows God hears us, right? So those other believers, these children that I've been talking to, if they hear us, they know that we are from God. Okay, the one who knows God hears us. The one who is not from God does not hear us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here we have the teachers of God versus those of the world, right? If you are of God, then you will receive this message as truth, is what John is saying. Also adding to anything the apostles have given to us is like, um, hold on, I don't know why I wrote that. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll skip that note. <laughs> okay, so people, again, here's my final warning, or my final exhortation, I guess. People, do you believe these truths, right, that were once and for all delivered to the saints? As Christians, our job is to protect it, to proclaim it, to preach it, to teach it. Do you believe this? If it is, then protect your mind. Begin to study your Bibles and gain the mind of Christ so you don't have to worry about all this craziness that people are saying about, saying about Satan. You're, you're good, you're solid, and he will not come near you. Is that fair? Okay, so greater that is in, 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 in you is greater than he who is in the world. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for giving me clarity of mind and peace, Lord, and jumping back into, back onto the tracks, Lord. And Lord, I pray that uh, we, we, we don't give Satan uh, a place 
equal to you, Lord. I pray that we understand that he's a created being as we are created, Lord, and one day he, he will end. We thank you, Lord, for all your attributes and the things that make you different from every false god and every false teacher out there, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can exalt you. Thank you, Lord, that you know all things, that you, you um, um, are the all-powerful, all-knowing, that you know the past, present, and future, Lord, and you are in charge of it all. Help us, Lord, to have discernment. Help us to study your word, to gain your mind, to grow in you. Help us, Lord. We are just simple-minded people, Lord, but we, we thank you, Lord, that you've given us the Holy Spirit to grow us and mature us in you, Lord. And help us, Lord, to disciple the ones next to us, our children, our students, um, our, our spouses, whatever it may be, Lord, help us to be teachers of your word, not necessarily here from the pulpit, Lord, but our jobs are to make disciples, Lord, and help us be faithful to that. We pray in your name, amen.